Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Receive your word. Just ask, ask God to speak to you today. You know, when's the last time at church you actually stopped everything and said, Lord, I forget my responsibilities, my, my duties at church, my duties with my family, and I need a fresh word. Come on, when's the last time you said that? Do it today, right now. Lord, speak to me. Lord, use me to release your word with signs and wonders. And like Paul, Lord, as I always pray, like the Apostle Paul, that my words not be with eloquence of speech, but in the demonstration of your spirit and power. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, verse 25. Uh, and, and, and before I, I read this, before she puts it up there, I want to just give a, a quick intro to why I'm doing this. Two weeks ago, I talked about, it was powerful, in our anniversary, our six-year anniversary, we talked about, um, there was a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment. And we, we dove in that we, uh, of several realities in that sermon, and we identified that, that flies is, um, are symbolic of trials, tribulations, winds that come, things that we allow, but most importantly, it's, it's symbolic of sometimes the demonic realm because Beelzebub means the Lord of the flies. All right, and so uh, what what it's talking about when we allow these flies in our lives, it 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 lessens the oil of the anointing, right? But as I was thinking about it, now this, this is where the intro is going to lead into a reading of the scripture. As I was thinking about it, the ingredients of the initial of the um, of the original oil of the anointing can also kill the flies. So the ingredients that make up the holy anointing oil, there are five ingredients. So we're going to talk about five ingredients, these five ingredients and how it applies to us today spiritually. Oh, you're going to shout today. If not, I'll shout for you. I give you permission to listen. I give you permission to not be distracted. I give you permission to say amen. Now, now watch this. Why do I say that? Because what we're about to read is the only, everybody say only. I, threw, I read through the scripture, the only original recipe for God's holy anointing oil. In the Old Testament, God gave Moses instructions. I'm going to read in just a second. I'm, just, I'm leading up into so you can understand what we're reading. Okay? God gave Moses specific instructions. He said, and, and if you read in your Bible in Exodus 30, verse 22, if some of you old school people, old, not old, old school people, right, that have your Bibles, what's the heading right above, the, above that, that, those verses? God's holy anointing oil. That oil was used to anoint kings. Hear me now. Consecrate things in the temple and in the tabernacle. They actually use these ingredients only to smear this oil, I feel the Holy Spirit already, on these articles or on certain specific people like kings, warriors, priests. This same anointing oil was on David and others to watch this. This is the key. To empower and consecrate the individual that received the anointing oil. Now, now watch this. In the New Testament, the anointing oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So my title today is Ingredients for an Anointed Life. Put that slide up there. Put that slide up. I want you to take a picture of this first point. The ingredients for an anointed life. Come on, how many, how many want to be anointed? Come on, how many want to be anointed? I love my, my conversations with Joanne, which I love, and she's, I've known her for years. I love what she says. She goes, you know, there's, there's a difference between someone that could sing, talented, and someone that's anointed. That is a powerful statement. There's a, there's a difference between a gifting and, and someone could be awed with a gifting and say, wow, that person could preach. Wow, that person made sense. But no lives are transformed. No tears are flowing during service. No conviction is happening. No demons coming out of people. Or when we sing, it could be a great singer, and that voice, is you could hear it all the way to the back, but you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sensing um, too much of the Spirit. But when you're anointed, you can sing mediocre, and the power of God will just flow in that room. 
You could serve in the back, and you may not have anything, uh, any prior uh, 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 training, and the anointing will help you. I think of Matthew Alves, who's, who's still on his uh, 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 little honeymoon because Matt and Jody got married last week. That's why I wasn't here. I did their wedding. He didn't know anything about sound. Listen to me. He yielded to the process, and now God's anointing him to serve. Now watch this. I'm going to give you, I'm going to read the five ingredients that God told Moses. I never spoke on this. I spoke on the ingredients of incense, but not the ingredients of holy anointing oil. It's time to get anointed. It's time to get an anointing. No, 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 you know. It's time to stop relying on your gift and start dipping into the wells of what God has for you. Because, listen, you will never operate in power if you just operate in your gift. You will never change anybody's lives with a good gifting, but you will change people's lives with an anointing. Okay, all right, let's, let's do this now. I got your attention. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, verse in the New King James. Everybody turn there and say amen when you're there. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, please, please hear this. And I want you to underline each of these five ingredients because we're going to go through them physically and then their spiritual application, all right? Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, also take for yourself quality spices. Come on, some Spanish people. See, you're in there. Spice. Some adobo. This adobo's not in here. Sazon is not in here. But watch this. 500 shekels of liquid myrrh. Under, underline liquid myrrh or just myrrh. That's the first ingredient. Half as much sweet-selling cinnamon. Okay? Underline cinnamon, which is 250 shekels. That's the second ingredient. He's literally telling him specifically what to get. Go find these ingredients, put it together, and it's going to produce a holy anointing oil that will never be replicated. 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, or some of you in your translations have calamus. Calamus, all right? So it's cane or calamus, all right? That's three. That's the third one. Underline that. 500 shekels of cassia. Underline cassia. Remember, this is specific. God could have said, ah, just figure it out. No, he's like, I am very specific now. You're gonna, your mind is going to be blown because mine was. As I did study for the last two weeks on this, and I broke down every word, went to every website I could to figure out the derivative, the meaning, the, the origination from it, and you'll be blown away how it's symbolic to the ingredients spiritually that we need to attract the anointing in our life. Hello? How many want to attract the anointing? If you have these ingredients, you're going to start attracting the anointing. And you're like, I'm going to tell you. And you know the last one was? Watch this. Let's read it together. According to the shekels of the sanctuary and a hen, which is 1.5 gallons of olive oil. Notice that the last ingredient to, the, to make up the mixture of the holy anointing oil is the biggest amount, the largest amount, which is olive oil. Little foreshadow. Little foreshadow. It's the largest measure of all those other spices. He said, you're going to take 1.5 gallons of, 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 of olive oil, and you're going to finish it off. And when you put those things together, Moses, watch this, watch this. You shall make from these, from these five, everybody say five, a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. Now watch this. It shall be a holy anointing oil. This is the only recipe for the holy anointing. This, these five ingredients, the only one. There's the, that's deep right there, because there is. You could replicate the anointing. You could try to replicate what somebody is doing to get a good crowd. But if it's not anointed from the Lord, it will only swell and it's not growing. There's a difference between swelling and growing. There's a lot of churches that are swelling, but they're not growing in discipleship. They're not growing in the depth of the oil of the Holy Spirit. They're not, growing, they're not growing in the presence of God. They're just swelling. And guess what? You have a whole bunch of people with spiritual pampers and diapers in the sanctuary, yet there's 3,000 people. Well, that's all good, but I want, I want oil. I want, I want the presence of the Lord. I don't want just dead religion and good churches and, and good events. I don't want that. I don't even want good preaching if it's not with the anointing. Come on, this was, the, uh, this was the only recipe for the anointing. And each ingredient of the holy anointing oil carries, listen, a profoundly significant characteristics for you and I. And so I'm going to give you now the five ingredients that must be present to produce an anointed life. It's time for us 
to get anointed. It's time for us to allow, because a lot of you are saying, well, you know, I'm anointed. Everyone has a measure of anointing. But listen to me. God wants to give you a greater measure. And there's ingredients that attract it. But if we don't, allow, if we don't take heed to the word of God, especially this morning, there are some ingredients that you will see and overlook. And it actually will repel the anointing and the presence of God from you. And you wonder why you're not walking in power. Because there's ingredients that have to be in your life. Listen, if you cook a cake and you, and you don't put sugar in there and you don't put flour, you could try to substitute that all you want. It's not going to taste like a cake. Glory to the name of Jesus. Right? You could try to replicate something, but it's not going to change people's lives. Come on, say amen. So here's the first ingredient. Are you ready to shout with me? There's five. What's the first one? Come on. The first ingredient was myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. All right, say myrrh. Now I'm going to give you the, 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 where it was founded from, and I'm going to give you the, the actual physical application, but I'm going to give you the spiritual meaning of what myrrh is. And the reason why is because I need to explain where it came from so you can understand where I'm getting the spiritual application of myrrh. Okay. Now myrrh was a fragrance that came from a trunk of a tree in Arabia. Now listen to me, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some preaching teaching, right? I'm going to teach and a preach, right? So it came from a trunk of Arabia, and it was produced, listen, it was produced by some that called by tears. Everybody say tears. Myrrh was produced by tears. And you say, why tears? Why? Because the people that would eventually extract uh, this oil and the spice that would eventually make myrrh. I see Macy back there. I know you, you know all, the, all of the spices. But watch this. Myrrh had to be steamed in order for myrrh to be myrrh. It had to go through a steaming process. They would get the gum and the sap of that tree, and they would steam it hot through a fiery process until the steam of that sap and that gum produced the oil and the spice of myrrh. And once it was steamed, everybody say steamed, it was ready to be called myrrh. And that was how they made myrrh. So what does that mean? Myrrh then is a beautiful picture of humility and meekness. Why? Because if you are not willing to have rebellion steamed out of you, if you're not willing to have your self-will steamed out of you, whenever, listen, listen, whenever you are ironing something, you're steaming it, and what are you doing? You're, you're getting all that rebellious crinkle and wrinkle out. You know, if, if, the, if, the, if that suit or that outfit hat was alive, it would be speaking rebellion, self-will, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to fold like I want. But you know what the steam does? It's hot, and it produces steam, and it produces wetness and tears, and it straightens it out so it could be ready. Listen, Moses was on the backside of the desert. But no, listen, you got to be careful of trying to be quick success stories. Quick, quick success stories without going through the steaming process. Because Moses ha- was rich in his Egypt life. He had all the wealth in the world. Moses had not a care in the world. He was second in charge. Yet God drew him out when he didn't understand what was happening. He figured out there was a conflict within his soul because he's really Hebrew. Watch this. Now listen to this. And he went to the backside of the desert. I'm going to say that in a little bit later in my sermon. And for 40 years, no one knew about Moses. You know what he was doing? He was seeking God. Who is this God of Israel? What is, what is going on? And he was tending flock. And he was tending sheep. And he was crying out to God. And he didn't understand. And those 40 years, you know what was happening? God was steaming out self-will from Moses. God was steaming out. Listen, humility and meekness. He was steaming out self-will and pride and arrogance so much so that he became the most humble man that lived on the earth and guess who wrote that Moses 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 said and Moses was the most humble man you got to be really humble if you write that about yourself can you imagine me and PG was the most humblest man on the earth and he's talking about I'm talking about myself but when I look at that scripture he was so broken so yielded so listen so meek that without him thinking anything negative, he's basically saying, you don't understand. I'm just paraphrasing. Moses was the meekest man on the earth because he went through the steaming process. If you want the anointing on your life, you need to develop the ingredient of meekness and humility because God will not anoint the proud. 
The, one of the number one ingredients for the anointing to be attracted to you is when God sees meekness. Woo. When God sees meekness and humility, you're a candidate to be trusted with a greater measure of the anointing. Because if you're proud and you have the anointing, the anointing will magnify your character, your characteristics. So that's why people sometimes in the name of the anointing are rude to people all in the name of the anointing. And I remember one man of God years ago was super rude to somebody, and, and they were bold. And, and, I'm, and at first I was like, man, that's the anointing. But I saw people get hurt by his bold rudeness, right? And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me. He says, since when does my anointing cause you to treat people less than when you're in the flesh? The anointing, if you're not careful, could magnify your character flaws. So when you're meek and humble, come on, somebody. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You want the anointing, the first ingredient, develop meekness, develop, develop humility, and you will see the anointing of the Holy Spirit start coming on you. Glory to God, because meekness is not weakness. Hear me now, but it's a choice. Meekness and humility does not just fall on you while you're, while you're walking in the park. No, it's through a steaming process. You know how I got humble? It's not because just I'm, I'm that smart. I got steamed. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, no, there's a wrinkle there. You're not going to do that because I want to use you, son. Oh, why are you doing that? You're not good. You're not good. And out of it comes myrrh. Myrrh comes out through humility. Now watch this. Because he loves you so much. If you're rebellious and you keep on kicking against the, the nodes or, or pricks like the Bible says, you will not win. And the end result is you're going to get a little sting. You're going to get a little hurt because God loves you so much that he's allowing circumstances to bring humility to you. I'm going to preach this morning. Humility and meekness have the same root word. But you know what meekness is? It's control strength. So it's actually very powerful. The attribute of meekness is very powerful. Do you know what the Bible says Jesus said in, listen, in, in, the, in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, the famous sermon, what did he say? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Not inherit a family inheritance. Not inherit a city. Not inherit, listen, a state. The whole earth. That's dominion. That's power. He says, I could trust people with power when they're meek. Because meekness is control strength. What is control strength? When everything in you wants to erupt with negative emotions and you control that tongue. When Listen, listen, all of us have had moments when we want to erupt on people and blow up on people. But meekness, if it's strong in you, it's, it won't allow you to erupt in negative emotions when you don't get your way or when negative circumstances are in there. Why? Because if you develop meekness and humility, God says, he won't, they won't hurt people on purpose. Meek and humble people attract the anointing oil. I, I, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit deeper, okay? I'm going to get a little bit deeper, right? I want you to look at Proverbs 16, verse 32. Oh, this is good already. Listen, watch this. Everybody say meekness. Remember, it's steamed out. Myrrh is made through the steaming. You can't get myrrh. Without it going through a very steamy, tearful process, the tears that come out of that sap is the oil, myrrh. Come on, Harvest, you're looking at me excited. Come on. Now watch this. This not, doesn't say the word meekness, but it has the principle of meekness. Look at Proverbs 16. Re, 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 ready? Proverbs 16, put it up there, verse 32. Listen, say, say this with me. Ready? One, two, three, read it with me. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, watch this, he who rules his spirit, well, sorry, and he who rules his spirit is mightier than he who takes a city. Do you know what that just said? That's the principle of controlled strength. That's the principle of the ironing of the Lord. Why is it? Because how many of us have hurt other people out of erratic emotional response? 
And the Bible says he who rules his, uh, his spirit is mightier than he who takes the whole city. That means there's about maybe 175 people in here. That means if all of us right now conquer the city of Apopka, we're weaker than the one that rules his spirit. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. That means the, if we all overtake Apopka and now we govern Apopka and we covered and, we're, and we appoint mayors and chairmen from the conquering process, we're still weaker than the one who, who rules the spirit. That's the power of meekness. And the first ingredient of meekness, of, of, of the anointing oil, is myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. Allowing the steaming process to build and bring forth the fruit of humility and meekness in your life. Allowing the steaming process of the Lord to bring forth the fruit of meekness and humility to beautifully come forth in your life. If that happens, watch this, I'm going to go to number two now. You're on your way to attract the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because Moses said, God told Moses, the first ingredient you got to get is myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. One of the first ingredients you got to get for the anointing is humble yourself and admit you don't know everything. I'll I, I just be honest. Pride, pride comes in different forms. This, some, some people are, are what I call obvious pride. But some of them are secret pride. Like you don't even, it's, it, it, they don't even know that they're being prideful. They just always say, I know that, I know that, this is not feeding me, I'm not getting fed, I'm not doing this, you're not doing that. Yet they're sitting and they're not serving anybody. That was a good place to say Amen. Watch this. Say this with me. God will trust the meek and humble with his anointing. That's a good word right there. God will trust the meek and humble with his anointing. Everybody say myrrh. So when you think of myrrh, the first ingredient, think of meekness and humility. All right? Number two. You know what the second one was? And you underlined it. The second one was what? I, lo I, love, I love eating this. I love smelling this. Cinnamon. Everybody say Cinnamon. Say cinnamon a minute. <laughs> Watch this now. This is gonna, this is, you're going to shout on this. Some of you are going to shout on this. Cinnamon came from a tree that grew straight. Everybody say straight. And uh, in its growth patterns, it was straight. But it came from the bark of that same straight tree. There was no curvature. If you remember, how many of you have seen the, the, the cinnamon sticks? The famous cinnamon sticks. You don't see a curve in there. You don't see a bent in there. They're all smooth and straight. Because it came from a smooth, straight, everybody say straight. It came from a straight tree, straight bark, okay, that, that, uh, that we produce cinnamon. So look at this next slide. Watch this. Since cinnamon was made from the straight tree bark, watch this now, Ingre second ingredient for the anointing. Cinnamon, cinnamon speaks of the spiritual ingredient of standing in perseverance and truth. Now, let me explain that because I'm going to say, huh? When you stand for truth, you will attract the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When you stand for truth and you don't compromise the word of God and you don't listen and sometimes you don't stay silent when you're supposed to speak out on truth. When you water down the word, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will not be trusted to you. But when you take a stand, come on, say amen. The, in other words, the Lord releases an anointing in a greater measure to people that are staying, standing, watch this, in perseverance when all hell is breaking loose. Come on, this is really good. This is good. Standing in perseverance. Remember, cinnamon came from a straight standing tree. So God looks at people that he's about to release his anointing that have gone through hell and back and come to church and lift up their hands. Come on. And they, and, and they, and they just lost everything and they're serving people and they just got their house taken away from them and they're treating people with dignity while their job boss is yelling at them. They're treating people with dignity. You know what that's doing? It's standing straight against all the winds and all the tribulation and all the trials. When you are going through personal winds and still show up and still stay standing, God says, I will release my anointing on them. I could trust them because they're tried and tested and true. They've been through the fire and they're still standing. 
They're not giving up. One of my friends the other day, some of you know him, Stephen Galoza, he goes, he goes, George, I, I sense that the church is growing. I've seen it online. And even today, there's a lot of people on vacation. But we, we're, we're, we, we need to go to a second service. We are packed. Watch this. He goes, what are you doing? Now, I'm going to get real spiritual here for a second. Ready? He goes, what are you doing? He goes, you're one of the only people that I know that has, has had a consistent growth in this year. What's going on? There's a lot of churches that are struggling. I said, I don't know. But watch this. I said, all I know is this. Oh, God. Is that through my pain, I keep showing up to prayer meetings. I keep showing up to preach the word. I keep showing up to study the word. I keep showing up to love people right. I keep showing up to have staff meetings. And I'm in pain. PK sees me. And I'm in pain sometimes. But I show up. I persevere. And God says, I can release my anointing to an individual that has had the winds come and they stay standing. He was expecting me to say, well, brother, I fasted 10 days and I came out of that closet and boom, the the church exploded. I go, no, my prayer life has stayed the same. But I just keep showing up, Stephen. When I'm limping out there and I'm like, oh, God, it's 630 on Tuesday. I got to go out there. Bam, go out there. God refreshes me. God, God strengthens me. And we pray together. And Micah's here. And there's about 30 of us here. And we're praying for revival on Tuesday. It's a 12-hour day. What am I saying? When all hell is breaking loose and you're still able to praise the Lord and continue in the work of the Lord, God says, send that person the anointing. Come on. Perseverance and truth. Having done all things to stand. Stand therefore. You want the anointing on your life? Get a back mow. You want the anointing to be trusted in a greater measure? Don't give up with every little thing that happens in your family, in your marriage. Don't quit every time something is happening in your life. Come on, I'm preaching to you. Don't, don't, don't be able to quit a team just because it's not going your way. Stay there. Until the Lord tells you, of course. But let me tell you, don't, if you quit, listen, the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you do not quit, if you do not faint. When we stand for truth, we attract the spirit of truth. Say that again. That's a slide up there. When we attract the truth, sorry, when we stand for the truth, we attract the spirit of truth in a greater measure in our lives. I'm going to say something that probably you guys don't know because it's in Leviticus. And you don't have to turn to it because I didn't give it to the media team. But do you know in the Old Testament in Leviticus, I believe it's chapter 21, a priest could not serve in the temple if he had a crooked back. If he had a hunchback. The Bible says if you had a hunchback, it's just for reference. It's in Leviticus 21, 16 through 23. Just for you Bereans out there that don't believe me. All right, which is good. Leviticus 21. Verse 16 through 23, there's a lot of, uh, of requirements that you couldn't be this, couldn't be that, couldn't be that. Now, it sounds a little offensive nowadays, but in the Old Testament, before the Holy Spirit, what we're saying is this was only for the priest. For the priest to minister, they had to stand up straight. Oh, you're not hearing me. You had to have cinnamon. You, could, you couldn't be bent. See, spiritually, you, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of crooked Christians. <laughs> At the, at, the, at the dinner table, at the dinner table, there's a hot topic coming up. Well, what do you feel about this topic? Well, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven. I'm not because you don't want drama, because that means there's a there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. God says, "Bless are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers." If you if you just make peace to avoid drama, you're having a false sense of peace. But when you're a peacemaker, that means you will say truth. Even though, though you will have backlash from that truth, but God says, oh, I could trust that person with the anointing. Because they're not, watch this, they're not backing down from truth. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you won't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. If you don't stand for truth, you'll stand for something else. And that's how compromise starts. You know who God anoints? The cinnamon people. The the people that keep standing when the winds are blowing. Come on, somebody. The people that keep praising God when they're limping their way into their job. 
The people that are, that are giving, oh, this, I feel this from the Lord, that, that are counseling marriages when their marriage is all messed up. They're discipling women and men when they, they, they don't even know who they are themselves sometimes. And they're going through financial problems. And they're teaching on finances. That's who God anoints. Stay standing and don't let the enemy say, you're not qualified for this because you're not there yet. No, stay standing. It will come. Oh, watch, you're going to shout this. You're going to shout this. this. This is good. I know you're shouting already, but this is really good what I'm about to say. Turn to someone and say, he's going to say something really good now. So I looked at the Webster Dictionary. Watch this. I, I looked at the dictionary for cinnamon. Are you ready for this? You're going to shout now. If not, I'll, you better shout, okay? <laughs> cinnamon is rich, is a quote, in antioxidants to promote oxygen in areas that are inflamed. Or stifled and other beneficial compounds. Some research suggests that cinnamon may help support blood sugar control, protect heart disease, watch this, and reduce inflammation. Are you ready for this? Spiritual inflammation speaks of truth being out of order in your life. Oh, that was a good way. Look at look, 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 look. Spiritual inflammation. What does cinnamon do? Cinnamon reduces inflammation. But spiritual inflammation speaks of truth. Remember we're saying standing up? Speaks of truth being out of order in your lives. Watch this. Spiritual cinnamon, which is upholding truth, will eliminate spiritual inflammation in your life. If you got an inflammation in your body, if you take some cinnamon on that area, it will help reduce that inflammation. But in the spirit realm, a lot of Christians are inflamed. They're inflamed in the area of compromise. Compromise is not standing straight. Do you remember in the Old Testament uh, when, when God gave a word a lot to people, he goes, you shall still straight. You shall not veer to the what? Remember what he told Joshua? Remember he told Joshua, you shall meditate on this day and night. You shall not veer to the left or to the right. In other words, straight. Straight. Everybody say straight. Stand straight in truth. Stand when all hell is breaking on you. And do not compromise in this. Because let me, let me, let me tell you this. I, I, I feel this from the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses had, a, had, had to leave the comfort of, of the world. He had to say, have a yes and a no for righteousness. A lot of us only have yes for righteousness. But I'm wondering if, there, if there's a no in you. I'm wondering if there's a no in you. Like, but, uh, there's a yes for bless me. Yes for, for I want more of God. Well, that's easy. How about no? Look at Hebrews 11. Oh, come on. This is good stuff. Hebrews 11, verse 24. Watch this. Look at this. Read that with me. Verse 24. Say amen if you're there. Hebrews 11, verse 24. It's going to be on the screen. New King James. By faith, Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused all the luxury that was given to him. Watch this. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people, that's straight, of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to his reward. You know what that was? Cinnamon. Because he had an opportunity to give in, and he said, no, I don't, I have access to Egypt. I could go back and just renounce all this stuff. I'll be second in charge. He didn't do that. He, he chose to suffer, watch this, because there's sometimes needing, there needs to be a no in your spirit to stay standing upright. Are you saying yes to everything that the people around you are saying to do just because it's beneficial for them? And they're trying to get you to say yes to something that will cause you to compromise? Where's the no? Where's the no? Come on, turn to someone and say No. Moses said yes, and he said no. Hallelujah. Take a stand. Everybody say take a stand. So myrrh is meekness and humility. Cinnamon is uprightness and perseverance. By the way, before I go to the third one, here's what I feel in the second one, lastly, is perseverance to not only stay the course, but to stay hungry. There's a lot of people that you may not experience wins, but you're drifting and you're bending. You know why? Because your hunger level has been lost. You're no longer hungry for the things of God. So right now when I'm speaking, you're bored in church. Get some cinnamon on you. Come on, if you're sleeping in church, wake up. 
Glory to God. Number three, are you ready? Here's, so how many want the ingredients for an anointed life? How many want it? Ready? So the third ingredient was Cain or Calamus. Now, I'm not going to get into theological debates of what some of that could mean. Some of you who did word study may know that some people say, well, there's a, there's a deriv- derivative of CBD and, and all that stuff, uh, uh, you know, in the Bible. Uh, what I'm going to say is ca- the calamus was a fragrant reed, all right, reed that, that uh, lived in marshes or swamps. Okay, now think, now think about this. This is so good. Oh, I'm going I'm to run around the church, Mike, myself. This reed, at the tip of the head of this reed, of, of, of uh, uh, calamus and cane, it was a substance, an oily substance that would be filled and ready, but it wasn't ready to extract, watch this, ready, this is key, until it was bent low. So when the head, when the head bent low and almost touched the ground, the harvesters knew it was time to extract oil. Calamus and cane is a beautiful picture, speaks of bending low in serving others and bending low on our knees in a posture of prayer. The universal uh, sign or universal uh, 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 language or sight of a person of prayer is someone that's on their knees low, bow their knees low. You know what? And Jesus had to bow low to serve his disciples, watch this, and wash their feet. You want the anointing of God on your life? Be found serving people. Oh, my, 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 my. You want the, you want the anointing? Bow low and have a prayer life. Bowing low is symbolic of having a prayer life, but it's also symbolic of serving people. I don't fully understand it, but when God sees us serving people out of obedience and we're still empty, even though we love God, God says, I'm going to increase the oil of anointing in his life. I'm going to show you a revelation that I, I've, I spoke years ago at Remnant Youth, and, and, and God just brought it back to me. God years ago told me to study people. Watch this. Oh, God. To study people in the Bible of what they were doing, listen, right before, consistently, a mantle came on them. Would you like to know? Would you like to know what great men of God like Moses, Elijah, and David were doing faithfully so God could see that if they could do that, then I could trust them with this. If I see them faithful in serving in this area, they're going to serve people well. Because flock and sheep and oxen in the Bible are all symbolic of people. Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He could have said, feed my servants, feed my people. He said, feed my sheep. Are you ready for this? What were great men of God doing consistently before a mantle of an anointing, great anointing came upon them? You have to understand the anointing is a process. The, the measure of the anointing come on you, he sees if you're developing these ingredients, and then he'll be attracted to you. Watch this. This is so good. I'm going to shout myself. Watch this. Look, look, look at this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Real quick. We're going to go. Th- Are you enjoying this? Are you getting something? Watch this. What was mighty Elisha doing before? Let's, let's, look at me. Look. Zoom in. Zoom in. Before all of a sudden this mantle just happened to fall on him. Do you think that it was just happenstance? Of course God called him. Of course God saw him before he was uh, in the mother's room and called him. Uh, 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 yes. But he, listen, this is deep. The anointing of God comes through partnership. It just, it, the greater anointing, there's, there's, a, there's a recipe that we need to have to draw a greater anointing. Look what Elisha, the mighty prophet, was doing faithfully before the anointing came on him. Watch this. So, so he, meaning Elijah, he departed because Elijah just had finished running away from God and, 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 you know, Jezebel, and he was running away from God. So watch this. He departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, watch this, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. The prophet. The mighty prophet. What was he doing with the lowly people? What was he doing with the lowly sheep? He was just tending them. And God goes, "Uh uh-huh. See that? See that attribute? See that attribute? I could trust him with people because he's he's taking care, making sure no wolves attack them. Watch this. He was was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, 
and he was with the 12. Hello? He was with them. Then Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. What was he doing? He was serving. He was bending low, serving. Watch this. What was David doing? Any, any clue? What was David doing when Samuel the prophet came to his house and said, you, the Lord told me that one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. He looked at all the other boys and said, nope, 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 nope. Watch this. You guys can fill in the blanks. Where's your other son, the prophet said, because I can't leave because i got to examine all your boys and none of these are the next king. What's the answer from the dad? He's out on the field tending. Woo! In other words, he's doing the work of the Lord already so I could trust him. Sometimes we have to act like we have it before we have it so God could give it to us. We have to act in that faithful place of humility and serving until God promotes you to that place where you want to be. So David came. He was tending sheep, serving low. Listen, listen, listen. And then God anointed him. Watch this. Look at, look at Moses. I'm going to be quick because I know you guys are. Ugh. What was Moses doing? I never saw this. What was Moses? I, I, like, Lord, I'm like, Lord, this is, this is almost too good to be true. Elisha, serving flock. David, tending flock, sheep. Because God's anointing was going to call on him for people. So he wanted to see how he treated the animals to see if he had the same attributes of the same people. What was Moses doing before he encountered the burning bush? Do you know that I read that a million times and I never realized that it was the sheep that led him to the bush? It was the sheep that he was tending to. I'm like, wait, I never saw this before. I thought he was just kind of roaming around and he was like, hey. No, he was tending the sheep and it's like the Lord whispered to the sheep, go this way. And the sheep goes, go this way. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for, for you, want, you want the anointing? Start serving people. You want to be trusted with the anointing? I don't care how you feel. Serve people. Watch this. Look at this. Guys, put Exodus 3. Watch this. Now Moses, let's all read this together, was tending the flock. Oh, God. And he was tending the flock of Jethro, mighty Moses, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he, and watch this, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and that flock came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Watch this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame. In a flame. Do you think this is a coincidence? A flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, and the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Who led him to the fire in the bush? His faithfulness of tending the flock brought him the encounter of the bush. You're not hearing me today. You're not clapping because you don't agree with serving. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? You know what Jesus said? Who shall be the greatest among you? You want to be great? Yeah, I want to be great. Come on, Jesus has been with you for a long time. I want to be great. Who's going to sit at your right hand side? Come on. Just tell the boys it's me. It's me. You know, you know I'm your boy. I'm with you. I went up to the mountain. There's only three of us, and I was one of them. Who's going to be great? Tell them. If you want to be great, you got to be the lowest. You got to serve. Look, look, watch this. Look, this is this, Are you getting something this morning? I'll be real quick because of time, but I got to get these other ingredients to you. Are you okay? All right. Luke 22, verse, two, uh, verse 24, really quickly. Watch this. Are you ready? NLT. Look at me with me. Then the disciples began to argue. By the way, you know the context of the scripture? This is so selfish. It was in the Last Supper. Like moments away from his crucifixion. And they're like, I'm the best. No, you're the best. No, who, you chose me. I'm, I'm going to sit. Get, get out of my way. I'm serious. He was like. He's like, I long to spend these last hours with you. He knew he was about to suffer. And then they ask him this question. Watch this. They argue themselves, who, who will be the greatest among you? Jesus told them, watch this, guys, watch this. In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. Watch this. But among you, everybody say me, it will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank. What's that read? What's that read? Come on. What's the read that bow low? Right? Watch this. The lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. 
Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? When you go out to eat, you're the important one. The waiter is serving you. Watch this. It's the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Everybody say serves. Cain and Calamus speaks of a prayer life, humbling yourself. And you can't get oil without a prayer life. And serving others. I'm telling you, I don't understand it. It's, just, it's, in the, it's a secret. If he finds you serving, if you're just idle, if you're just receiving the word, God bless you. But you're never going to get a heavier anointing on your life until you start activating your gift. I, I have so much, but I, I, I'm going to skip. Because this is, this, is, this is so, so important, so important. That Calamus, I got to say this because you're going to laugh and cry and, and shout at the same time. Dictionary says, Calamus was a plant used to make medicine, watch this, to produce sweet-smelling fragrance. You're going to laugh at this, but it's true. Watch this. It's used as a spice to remove foul stench from someone. Calamus is used as a spice to remove foul stench from someone. Are you ready for, are you ready for this? Prayer and serving others helps remove the foul smell of pride in our own life. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. Prayer and serving others helps remove the foul smell of pride from our own life. Not just from their life. When you serve others, that, that, that Cain and Calamus, that spirit of Calamus starts coming up in you and it removes the pride because you are in need but yet you're serving others. In the physical, calamus removes foul stench. In the spiritual, serving and prayer removes the stench of the flesh out of you. My God, I'm preaching good today. The Bible says we are a fragrance of God. We're going to have an altar call soon, I promise. Now thanks be to God. I'll just read it. Remember, remember the perfume? that Remember the, the calamus is supposed to be a, a spice that removes foul stench? Well, do you know the Bible says that we are his perfume and his fragrance? How many, how many love fragrances? Come on, come on. There you go. Come on. How many love fragrances, right? If I go near, near Joanne, I can smell the fragrance. If I go, and, and watch this. When we get near someone, you're like, you smell good. And what's the next question? Come on, what's the next question? What is it? Oh, don't make me preach here. Wait, wait, you say, you, you, so, so the fragrance attracts you to want to get it. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, we're, you're going to shout with me now. Ready? Ready? Are you ready? 2 Corinthians, watch this, read this with me. Now thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God, come on, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Oh, my God. You want the perfume of heaven? You want the cologne of heaven? The purpose of it is to remove the foul stench of your flesh. You know what the purpose of cologne and perfume is? To hide the stench of your flesh. Come on, somebody. But when you have that anointing of, of calamus where you are bending low, serving others, there's a fragrance that come out of you. And they say, what is that? You're like, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus in me. Let someone smell you in the spirit. What do you smell like in the spirit? Don't answer. Do you have fragrance coming out of you? Do you have light and joy coming out of you? Or do you need that, that calamus to actually eliminate that foul odor? That's just the Bible. That's not me. Number four. I'll be quick now. Whew. Number four is cassia. This is where it's going to get good. In, the, in just a moment, I'm going to have the worship team come up. Forgive me for going a little bit we, uh, longer, guys. I just I need to get this out. Everybody say cassia. That's the fourth ingredient. You know what cassia is? Cassia grew in tropical climates. One of the things that cassia produces is something called sena, S-E-N-N-A. How many, how many have heard of sena? Maybe a, maybe a drug, maybe a prescription. You know what it's used for? Inner cleansing. Sina was produced by cassia, which is a laxative used to cleanse you from hurtful and harmful toxins in your body. 
I want to say that again. Cassia produced something called Cena, which is a laxative used to cleanse you from hurtful and harmful toxins in your body. Watch this point. Cassia is a spiritual picture of our intentionality to get inner healing and inner cleansing. Put that slide up there, guys. Cassia, you can take a picture of it, is a spiritual picture of our intentionality to get inner healing and inner cleansing. Can God anoint someone that's messed up 100%? Does God anoint weak people? Yes, 100%. But there's a greater anointing that is entrusted in you when you seek to address the inner wounds of your life and the inner brokenness. When you seek to address that and get healing, the anointing oil will be attracted to that life. Why? Because he knows that you're not going to harm people in the process. Let me tell you something. If you are broken and anointed and don't deal with that bitterness, with that inner inner hurt, inner toxicity, if you don't allow Cassia to be able to heal you from the inside, when you start ministering or when you have a business, you will leak out what you didn't heal. I said you will leak out what you didn't heal to others. And Cassia is a laxative that produced that cleansing. Come on, say Amen. But it's our job to clean up our inner temple. It's our job to clean up our mind. It's our job to clean up the pain. It's our job to give the pain and every pain that we have and bring it to the cross. Every pain, every unforgiveness, I feel the Lord on this. Your mother wounds, your father wounds, rejection, people that have rejected you, people that have you view your spouse and how you view your parents is how sometimes you view God. Because there's filters in us. And inner healing of the heart is one of the main purposes of Jesus. I want, I want the worship team to come up here. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, he opened the book of Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. It's on there. You can put that on there, Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Watch this, guys. Listen to me. I'm almost done. Give me five more minutes. That's so sad. The church is laughing at the pastor. They're like, yeah, right. <laughs> so, right. We, I, I know. I know. I need to get better. Maybe I need to change my saying. Give me 10 more minutes, right? Sandra, you need to give me another shirt. <laughs> right. Or Nick or whoever. Watch this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Zoom in. You want God's anointing to come on you in a greater measure and attract you? Be intentional about getting healed from your junk. Because if you don't get healed from your junk, you'll, listen, listen, you'll preach angry. I know what it is to preach angry. Because I didn't have my junk right. I got, had junk in my trunk. In my spiritual trunk. I had anger issues. I had, I had, had frustration issues. I felt God wasn't coming through, so I would preach angry. You're going to leak on people if you don't get healed. Why would God send his anointing on someone that is in charge of people or family or boss or ministry, whatever your trade is? Why would God anoint you more if you're choosing to neglect healing? Please hear me this because this is deep. Some of the people that need healing the most are the people that reject healing the most. And they say things like, I don't need that. I'm already healed. This, that's what they say. It's a form of pride. It's just, they just don't know it. I don't need to go to journey. I'm good. Yeah, but you still have, you, just, you don't realize how, how, how you treat people. If you have an orphan spirit, you're always seeking attention. You're always seeking approval. And, and you don't say it, but you're saying like, hey, look at this. Hey, I could do that. Hey, what about this? Hey, look at me. Look at my gifting. And I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm saying I'm, this is for everybody. Because Watch this. Because I was that way before I got healed. I would sit in rooms and the prophet would be there. I told you the story. And I'd be like, so the prophet could see me. I would make all these noises. We're like, amen. <laughs> and they would look right past me. You, me? No, no, no. The one behind you. Stand up. The word of the Lord. I'm like, oh. 
because I was an, a spiritual orphan because I didn't know my identity. When you have a wound in your life, a breakup of a relationship, I'm hearing that right now, a breakup of, of a relationship that produces a broken heart. That word broken heart in the, in the book of Luke is centribo. It's Greek for broken into many pieces. That's what the Greek means. So a broken heart is a heart that has been broken emotionally in many pieces. Ooh. And if, watch this, if you don't get healed by that, God will still love you. God will still use you, but not at the full measure that God wants you. Because if you're broke, you need to be healed. You will, you will produce what you have. A lot of times people say, I got to multiply myself. I said, you better be careful with that statement. What part of you are you multiplying? You got to multiply yourself and others. Yeah, multiply that gift, but you're also multiplying the, the insecurity. You're also multiplying the fear because every time you speak, that thing leaks out of you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. You need to address the inner wounds. Watch this. My friend Pastor Derek LeCapra is not here, but he was in a live show and he, he said something so deep. He's part of our, our church, but he's, he's away. He texted me. Look at this, guys. I promise. Be patient with me, guys, okay? Promise. Watch this, guys. Are you ready? Internal wounds are the deadliest wounds because you don't know how bad you're really bleeding. That's deep. Internal wounds are the deadliest wounds because you don't know how bad you're really bleeding. No one looks inside and say, oh, I'm bleeding with 10% anger, 30% bitterness, 40% loneliness, and 30% ang uh, angry at God, whatever. No one can look at that. The inner wounds are the deadliest because no one really sees how bad you're really bleeding. Hmm. You want the anointing? Get cassia. Get cassia in your life. Get healing in your life. If you're here today, you're not here by accident, God wants to heal you today. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants you to get, stop, stop being prideful and hard. Watch this. Bend low. Get some cassia. Get some cinnamon on you. Watch this. I'm, I'm almost closing. Get, get some myrrh, meekness. Get some cinnamon straight up. Get some calamus, which is bowing low, serving people in prayer. Get some cassia, which is inner healing. Spiritual laxative. If you're having struggle forgiving someone, that means you need inner, inner healing. If you have a memory that you can't talk about in public, you need inner healing. If you are hard-hearted for certain things, that you're not willing to let go, you need inner healing. God gave us gifts, but there's a difference between a gift and an anointing. Cassius Spice definition was majorly used to support immunity and the body's natural defenses. Say amen. Last but not least, olive oil. That was the fifth ingredient. You know what olive oil is symbolic of in the Bible? Olive oil is symbolic of the ongoing fellowship and infilling of the person of the Holy Spirit. You want, you want the anointing to be drawn to you? It's impossible without fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit, remember, olive oil was the greatest ingredient. Ooh, I feel the Lord here. I feel the Lord. Some of your inner healing needs, is, is coming from your home. It needs to come from your home. I feel from the Lord that there is some pain that is coming from your family, from your home. And God wants you to address it today. And the olive oil was the largest portion. And you know what it was? It was the flow of the Holy Spirit. The good Samaritan, when he passed by the wounded person, a, 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 a Levite came and a priest came, church people, and they passed right by him. A good Samaritan, you know what they did? It poured oil on his wounds. And the Bible says that oil healed him. The oil healed the wounds of the Samaritan. And you know that, I didn't know this and I studied this, but when warriors went on a long journey and they would walk for days, you know what they would pour on them to make them feel comforted? Olive oil. Who's our comforter? 
Who is the paraclete? Who is the one who is our helper? Who is the counselor? Who's the one who gives you peace? Who's the one who gives you anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. You have to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have to invite the Holy Spirit. Today, there's an ingredient today for an anointed life of, of meekness. The Lord wants you to anoint yourself with cinnamon and perseverance and cane and bowing low, serving people and prayer. Cassia, inner healing, there's for you today. And the last ingredient is an ongoing an ongoing flow of the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand up to your feet right now because God wants to give you these ingredients. If you say, Lord, I need one of these five. I need all of these five. There's something specific that God wants you to focus on today. I want some of my leaders. Right Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.